Welcome to another episode of Modern Guilt. It is Tuesday morning, 8.40 a.m. Brisbane time, 11.40 a.m. New Zealand time. I've gotten into the habit now of uh, saying the time and date at the start of podcasts. I don't... It's kind of good. It's good for the historical records. Actually, yeah. If one day um, the archive of Modern Guilt gets like... Uh, sent into space like this hard drive just floating through space and someone intercepts it they'll be able to listen to it like these intergalactic diary entries or something imagine that as like a representation that would be pretty dope human um achievement (laughs) it's they just like catalog all of modern guilt that i i dig that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean it would be a perfect example in an almost more beautiful way of just like two average people trying to like figure things out yeah well like the perfect like sample of humans just being curious and like being generally flawed but like trying hard yeah, or something. yeah they uh it's, it's more representative than the like gold-plated vinyl they shot off on the um that satellite that's now class pluto or whatever specifically designed yeah yeah uh the golden record yeah what did they put it like didn't they put elvis on that like, he's not representative of anything. They put a lot on there. They did put, like, a huge range of music on there, from, like, Eastern compositions to Mozart to the Beatles. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of a lot of um, mathematical equations. Right. Uh, like, super advanced geometry and trigonometry and stuff. Like, a, a cross-section of our understanding of mathematics as it um, applies to our ability to potentially travel and communicate across space. Fucking cool is it that they've done that. Why did we stop doing that shit, you know? Because NASA went uh, broke. I mean, well, I guess the the darker reason is probably because the Soviet Union collapsed and then the United States had no significant rival to race in the space yeah. race. Yeah. Possibly. Um, but now Daddy Elon is the one to race, so that's good yeah well good for him um so you know we can all pray that he's gonna do his thing and get us through the cosmos yeah but uh yeah if, if as soon as spacex goes public man i'm buying as much as i possibly I've can thought about think. that hey like it's so fucking interesting with um the idea of like a global oh, uncensored nuts, internet uh you know is just is fascinating i i'm kind of curious to see if we're just going to throw away this like facade that we don't live under a feudal system and kind of just divvy up you know the states according to uh net worth of these like oligarchs you know and you can have like the kingdom of amazon yeah far far north and texas will be like the realm of um elon musk and they can just do battle like the old times it would be a better system man it fucking sucks what's happening now so well like that's similar to the article that I recently put on the website, yeah. kind of. Um, like I made the argument that our, like we are in a post-capitalist economy, in the West at least, because like manufacturing and like actual capital growth has been like offshored and that like big companies um, and financial institutions or whatever essentially are like feudal mm. states. Um, and particularly when you bring into play the idea that a king rules on the backs of his like the lesser nobles or his vassals um and in the same way like in a, in democratic states the government relies solely on um the free market to i don't know maintain order and any semblance of success and yeah that's uh 
Anyway. <laughs> Feudal is yeah. fun. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I completely mm-hmm. agree, to be honest. I think, like, mm. yeah. And, and it's yeah. not even a bad thing. But, you know, nothing, nothing's really a bad thing in the long run. Yeah. I should also just take this opportunity to, like, formally plug that article because um, I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the pod. Um, go to our website if you want to read um, about, like, depressing economics um, and, like, social order. Um, I published this article called... I uh, can't even remember what I titled it now. I'm going to double-check real quick. Um, called Big Tech, Feudalism and a Post-Capitalist Global Order. And it's... I like it personally. I think it's a good yeah. article. No, that's fucking yeah, I've yeah. A couple of times. <laughs> I concur. Um, however, I've seen the draft. I actually haven't seen the updated version, but I will weigh in on that, and uh, mm. we'll get old Spambot up and running, firing out um, twisted images mm-hmm. uh, with uh, you know hot fire from the fucking article <laughs> on the subject of depressing economics. My buddy this morning sent mm-hmm. me this article um, that she wanted me to look over, and uh, it's essentially how housing has risen so much in housing inflation that people's like we have KiwiSaver here for to like sort of get people saving and having their money and something's just yeah. gonna like whittle be whittled away by um, you know large reserve banks printing cash. And can I just clarify? Does KiwiSaver is KiwiSaver just like a default superannuation? Fund? Yeah, it's like a opt out essentially. Um, so yeah. like you're opted in by default. So if you have a job, then you have to specifically say I don't want to. Do yeah, it. yeah. Um, you can't touch it till you're sixty five, yeah. or when you're buying your first house. So yeah. you can use it to buy your first house. Mm, yeah. But the return on KiwiSaver just slightly above um, rate that housing has increased in price. So no matter right. what you're doing, you're like not going to be able to, you're effectively just putting money in a savings account. That's only just roughly like keeping up with the fucking increase in the price of housing. Yeah. So you're basically not really getting ahead with no, it. No, it's a fucking vortex of depression. Uh, like there's so many people out there who yeah. are like, trying to get ahead and get it like a foothold of some kind of asset, but they just literally will not be. And you know, there's sort of like the predominant wisdom that they're told here is like, Oh, just put money in your Kiwi saver put max out your kiwi saver and then that everything will be all good um by like every fuckwit uh you know financial yeah, advisor yeah. or whatever or virtually like 99 percent of the um financial advice you get on various facebook groups or personal finance reddit or wherever you get your fucking financial advice but it's bullshit because you're barely fucking keeping up the price of housing and nobody wants to like just mm. give the raw dirty like fucking uh you know gory situation that like you're not going to be able to afford a house bitch <laughs> i'm sure also like that those rates are like roughly aligned now but for how long right you know in five to ten years like i'm sure the rate of housing inflation will probably be above the rate of return that KiwiSaver can offer oh yeah 100 percent like it's only a matter of time. Yeah, well, everybody's so um, that's too much of a wuss. Even yeah, well, I mean, like that's such a large voter base that nothing's gonna fucking happen. Like Scott Scomo or you know um, Chairman Ardern uh, is like absolutely not gonna fucking touch housing because it's just so many of the people who vote for. Her. So anyway, that sucks. Uh, don't feel bad about the fact that you can't own a house. It's not your fault. It's um, the system. Yeah, it is. Um, it's fucked up how um, <laughs> how 
grossly labor like under delivered on that social housing project as well in like Jacinda's first term. Leading up to the last New Zealand election, I obviously read like a lot of critiques and like Jacinda Ardern hit pieces being published by like the conservative Australian mm. media. Um, but, and you know, most of it I, I brushed off. I'm like, whatever, like, I don't think that's a valid critique. But um, one of the glaring, I think, holes in like Labor's resume for that first term was their under delivery of the affordable housing that they said they would, they would deliver. I think they pledged to build 100,000 homes. Yeah. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, they built 500, yeah. which is like pretty fucking depressing. And I, I think it's probably not even really the fault of labor and more just a reflection of the fact that the market and the system is, is so stuck that it's almost impossible to build affordable housing. Well, that's kind of it. Like, I don't actually think they even have the ability to, um, fix it because it's just asset prices are out of control, you know, and the value mm. of money is becoming worthless. Um, and it's like a, it's not hyperinflation. It's like uh, above the average, like, like it's above everybody's ability to keep up with it. Like it's not fucking this parabolic, mm. you know, we're not going to be like Venezuela where everyone's going to have some um, trillion dollar bills, but it's just going to be to the fact that, you know, we're going to have, <laughs> everything's going to cost more than your ability to make money except if you hold assets so. yeah do you think do you think then that if uh governments are largely unable to provide affordable housing or to um impact the rate of housing inflation then there are like actionable things that governments can do under the right circumstances to like stimulate wage growth or well, is that too ambitious you know that's cutting into people's like hiring of other people and you can kind of like hire people from other countries now without them having to be in their own country so it's getting real real economics hours up in here yeah um so it's like so yeah yeah I'm so it's like it already. <laughs> yeah, if i'm gonna hire if the government says okay we're gonna redistribute um money from all the people that have money down to people that don't just you know or provide some sort of like wage subsidy mm -hmm. on top of how much you're making so if you know my boss is paying me 20 bucks an hour and then the government says we're gonna tax your boss a bit more and then pay you an extra five theoretically yeah but like we don't live in some fucking fancy theoretical economist wet dream where i can just kind of like write an equation and like you know predict how everyone's gonna act because in reality a he's gonna be like nah i can't be fucked hiring anyone i'll just do it myself because it's too expensive or B, he'll be like, you know, if it's possible, yeah. I'll just get someone in some other country to do it, you know, because it's like now we're virtually borderless, unless, of course, it's, you know, hard-ass labor. Or he'll just fucking, you know, hire you under the table or some shit. Um, or maybe it will work, you know, but then that doesn't really, mm. that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. I don't know, man. It's such a, it's such a clusterfuck. Like, I don't think there's many people that realize the absolute clusterfuck out there as well because it's like if you bring down the price yeah. of housing if i couldn't you fuck up everyone's retirement savings so then you're gonna have a fucking retirement catastrophe on your hands because everyone's yeah. like oh yeah i bought like three rental properties and i'm gonna retire soon you know their fucking assets gonna be worth like half that that's not good that's not a good outcome neither is the fact that those houses are now millions yeah. of dollars you know it's just like i don't know fucked just going back to like the idea of like subsidized mm. wage growth 
I had a thought that you might be able to weigh in on because, and I know like this is sort of starting to already happen in a very immature way um, or undeveloped way, but because so much of the sort of globalization of employment um, is a result of big tech, I think like it, at least logically, there should be some sort of levy on big tech who, as we know, pay next to no tax in most countries in order to directly subsidize wage growth mm. so that the employer doesn't yeah. lose out. Because at least those things are, are related in terms of it's like cause and effect. It's not like you're just taxing some people more who have nothing to do with the actual process. You're actually taxing the right groups. Well, Australia year. said that they were going to do that, and that's cool. Um, that they were going to basically put a tax on... Mm. Uh, you know, Facebook making money off, um, you know, journos putting their shit out there. I thought that was fucking sick, man. And the balls. Like, you have to admire um, the cojones of them to stand up to, like, big tech and basically say, no, you're not just going to, like, wildly profit and then run some sort of shell company out of here, you know, with, like, five guys sitting around sales and air quotes. Um, You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) fuck off, cunt. Pay your fucking taxes. Like, yeah, I think that is a good idea, man. Because, like, those are the kind of... When you look at the wild returns of what these companies are making... Hold on. Let me pull up Facebook's quarter three earnings. There's some typing ASMR in there for you. We all love it. $21.5 billion in three... Four months. Yeah, yeah. Quarter four? Wait, three? Three times twelve. Three. Three months. $21.5 $21.5 billion. That's fucking mental, dude. That's like mm-hmm. so mind-blowing, you know? So, yeah, it should yeah. happen. There's an interesting counterpoint to that idea, though, that I've read, and it's that most media companies rely so heavily on the big social media platforms now for their distribution mm-hmm. that um, it, and those media companies all rely on um, click-through and like uh, advertising on their websites. Yep for you know like 90 percent of their revenue now that they would actually be tanking themselves Hmm. if they if they made facebook pay for their content because facebook just wouldn't do it okay fair enough all right fuck off no problem like let's see your local media industry die so yeah it's it's a little conundrum it seems it is it is a conundrum it probably isn't as easy as just kind of like slapping a thing on them but I mean, they could have like a right to operate, like, you know, you've got to pay X, Y, Z to fucking operate in this country. But of course, then that has like huge other issues within every thing. Anyway, this is a very like mm. murky issue, um, you know, the, yeah. and, and I think the, <laughs> the main problem that needs to be highlighted is just the fact that like, you know, huge numbers of people don't own assets anymore. So um, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I'm just fucking, you know, pinging out of my mind right now. So I'll just run into it. World Economic Forum had this uh, meeting recently where there, there was this fuckwit who came out in this like Masonic robe and started talking about the Great Reset. Oh, yes. Yeah. I fucking, I saw this shit. I, I fucking forgot to read up about it though, man. I got like, I think actually as weird as this sounds, I think someone DM'd us on the Modern Guild Instagram. Oh, really? I, if I'm remembering correctly, um, and we're like, hey, like, look at this cunt. Um, and I meant to to do it because it seems really interesting. Yeah, well. Um, so, sorry to cut you off, but. No, that's uh, dope. I want to um, hear about Shout out to now. you, whoever you are, if you exist. 
If you don't, then shout out to the idea of who <laughs> yeah. you are. All right. Shout out to my imagination. <laughs> so <laughs> the idea of who you are. Um, so this guy comes out and like it sparked like a number of uh, you know alt right white supremacists again. You know another fucking lie that's been fed that anybody that opposes um, this sort of like wild economic reform as an alt right supremacist. It's like that was what the fucking media was saying about it. But essentially, this guy was talking about how uh we're gonna you know post-covid have an opportunity to move towards a new economy which is going to be one where basically it was talking about like a couple main points so climate crisis and i'll find the link and we'll post it in the description you can see it for yourself so climate crisis is going to increase the number of refugees and we're gonna so the video is like we're gonna have to get used to more refugees um which you know is just sort of like this softball trying to say that you're gonna have like open borders which has been this like historic standpoint for the world economic forum um then there's the they were saying like you'll own nothing and you'll be happy which is the darkest part of it in my mind um because essentially there's been a long sort of um stripping away of people's assets since probably like mm, the 1980s yeah. but like you know very much so um it's like accelerated lately with uber uh there's like a significant more number of uh, millennials and zoomers and shit that aren't owning cars and they just fucking like uber everywhere right um and then yeah you know a lot of economists are coming out and saying oh you know like a, a glory of the new age what a fantastic future this is where we don't own cars but capital owners have cars and you rent them you don't own anything we're in the rent yeah, economy yeah um, it's just the complete consolidation of wage slavery, man. Exactly. So that's that's it. Like it's yeah. just driving people into positions of dependence on corporate institutions. Yeah. It's fucking mental. Yeah. Well, it's just it's a uh, essentially, and, and there were some other points that were fucking relatively like whatever in this video um, that you can check out. But like, first off, the World Economic Forum is pretty fucking bullshit. I, I think everybody should know that they don't do much um they're they're kind of like a bunch of highly paid academics that just sort of sit around like uh you know putting out think pieces but not actually like doing anything um and they're not really like policy makers um they're just again they're just kind of like gas bags so you know don't don't <laughs> worry about them taking over they've been putting out shit like this for ages however uh they like are totally touching on horrific changes that people should be worried about because like not owning assets is as we've just fucking talked about is a fucking nightmare um because your your wages are never going to keep up with price of things really unless you're making astronomically more money every single year so if housing is going up six percent a year you need to be making six percent on your salary every fucking year to keep up the price of housing otherwise it's going to outpace it's insane it's impossible exactly so Sorry, sorry. This fucking idea is pinging out of my sorry. fucking mind right now. So this is the move of like Uber, like cars are depreciating assets. So they're not the best thing to own anyway, but at least your money's sort of like locked up somewhere. The whole like rent economy is only going to be putting money in the hands of people who own cars, you know, which who then have this like asset that can make them money. Um, and it's the same thing with like Airbnb, which is 
really where it starts to take much like a darker turn is that suddenly your house is now worth significantly more. So the idea of like not owning anything and being happy is such a farce because you're right. You're just going to be in this like perpetual cycle of wage slavery. Money makes less every fucking year, um, you know, and like good luck finding a fucking 6% pay rise every year. It's not going to happen, you know, unless you're like, like mm. a, you cap out at a certain point. And wages never keep up with yeah, the price of sure. assets. So, yeah, that's the true fucking nightmare coming from this whole, like, great reset shit. Is people seeing that as somehow, like, some boon for humanity. That nobody owns anything except for a small number of, like, capital owners who own cars and houses that have become, you know, hugely profitable. Or, like, profitable even in a lesser degree. And again, like, that's this is another great parallel to, like, feudalism because... Like in, if you're in that situation where the vast, vast majority of the population owns no assets and they have no like economic agency, then like they're essentially owned by the companies that they're dependent on. Uh, in the same way that like serfs or the local peasants in the land that a lord used to own were literally owned by that lord. Yeah. Um, and so like under feudalism, the serfs would work the fields and chop down trees and extract resources from the land and provide the lords with the resources and the the wealth that they needed to rule over their domain and appease their king um and like it's a completely parallel process yeah so like the majority of people even already who aren't asset owners people under the age of 40 are essentially just like the peons in world of warcraft walking around the map just like cutting down trees and collecting fucking rocks and just giving them to someone who's actually gonna do something with it yeah that's so funny yeah it's good and that's exactly it because you know the bulk of people right now are scrambling to try and get um just a fucking down payment together just enough to get on your foothold of like 30 years of debt you know just because these assets are mm -hmm. just so fucking crazy um and, and it's gonna get significantly worse the fact that there has been uh like the world debt supply now i believe is at around 270 trillion dollars or something fucking mental like that um i should check that yeah or, or something like it. it's, it's essentially oh, um fuck it once it's like once it's over a trillion dollars like what's the fucking difference no matter what it is you know what i'm well, saying like it's fine yeah either way the exact figure is almost meaningless right oh totally there's yeah. um with all this fucking printing of money um putting it in a bank you get less out than you put in now so large companies are literally buying less money in the future because they have so much so that's why they're trying to put it all into assets that's why they're trying to fucking buy everything up and that's why you're seeing this like huge inflation all of a sudden and the biggest joke is on fucking you know like the working class because they're getting dicked left right and center it's a fucking financial gangbang and you're in the middle of it <laughs> that uh that meme with all the black dudes in the white like singlet and underwear with that little girl on the couch about to get gangbanged has never felt so poignant yeah, yeah like yeah. that's totally like a marxist meme waiting to happen hey like, that, oh, like totally waifishly thin white chick is uh the, the working class and then like all those black dudes <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> like the, gonna be the cover the big bang this fucking episode yeah <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> um yeah so um i mentioned earlier that there's some interesting things happening in australia at the moment and they came to a bit of a head just yesterday actually which was like fortunate timing and have 
actually accelerated overnight. Um, so you're probably very well familiar with like the what is essentially a trade war happening at the moment, right, between China and Australia? Well, I only really hear about it from you because my yeah, news right. sources um, can't seem to get over the fact that like uh, Trump hasn't conceded yet. So I'm still reading news <laughs> and they just, they're still trying to plug it like everyone, anybody gives a fuck. So yeah. I, I actually am not familiar, so I'm keen to hear. Yeah, okay. So um, the roots of this are probably contestable. Like you could probably argue what is the sort of um, catalyst for this starting, but it seems to me that this goes back to um, Australia's condemnation of China as the pandemic first broke out. Um, if you remember, like, the Australian government um, made like a, a public statement against China um, saying that they were going to try and lead a coalition of countries to like prosecute China in the fucking international court or some shit. And that China had to be held liable for the damages being caused by the pandemic, which in my opinion is just a total load of shit. But anyway, it's yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> and, you know, the sentiment was largely that Australia was doing that on the behest of the United States because at the same time um, the US and China were on the verge of signing a trade deal that was going to land the United States like $200 billion worth of uh, extra exports to China per year. Um, so anyway, obviously that didn't go down well because like China doesn't need to take shit from other countries. Um, mm. And basically since, mm, you know, I think around April or May, um, China has imposed like $16 billion worth of like tariffs and bans on Australian exports. China, for those who don't know, is Australia's largest export partner. 30% of Australian exports go to China. Um, the majority of our coal, um, our minerals, uh, a lot of Australian wine, but basically you name it, is going to China. Um, so over time, China has been imposing these um, and they, the Chinese embassy in Canberra leaked this 14-point supposedly internal document to um, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, which is like Melbourne's um, headline newspaper or whatever you call it. Are they, are they, do they have a spin? Um, well, the Age is, I think, owned by, um, by nine Fairfax media. Um, so they're uh, not quite as bad as the Murdoch media, but they're still fairly conservative. Yeah. And so anyway, basically... This document was leaked to these papers uh, as a way to basically like hold demands over Australia's heads. And these 14 points that were basically things that China had a problem with or things that they wanted out of Australia um, ranged from like foreign policy points to, to trade. Um, and I'll, I'll post a link in the show notes and I think you'll be interested in reading it as well, Damon. So over this time period, over the course of around five months. The Australian government's relationship with China has soured to the point that Xi Jinping won't even talk to Scott Morrison on the phone. Like he won't. <laughs> and, and as well, even like the, I, I forget like the, the titles that the CCP uses for their um, like heads of cabinet or whatever. I don't think they call them ministers, but China's like uh, head of trade won't respond to um, I think Simon Birmingham is Australia's trade minister. Um, and <laughs> Can we just, they're um, just ghosting a, them, man. Yeah. yeah, just a moment to think about exactly the, what's happening there is that human interaction, even on 
like between you know people at our status level or whatever um you know or like like us peons down in the fucking lower classes is the exact same as world leaders like yeah it's parallel you know, the like fact human that nature actually, is the same on whatever scale that's and you just think like how is that even possible like how could you possibly ghost australia and just be like oh nah like scomo is saved under a fucking you know stupid name under his phone yeah <laughs> yeah like fat fuck um <laughs> so that's fucked eh? Shit. so now australia has like said that they're going to go to the wto to like get them to like arbitrate the dispute and overturn china's decisions because they're supposedly unfair but that'll obviously result in fucking no positive outcome um because the wto has no teeth um and also china doesn't need to listen to anybody so at the same time this sort of separate but now related scandal has unfolded so you i'm not sure if you've heard of this so forgive me if i'm repeating details that you're familiar with but this uh, report called the Beriton Report that was commissioned by the Australian government was recently published. And it was a yeah. report that um, took four years to make. And it was investigating uh, alleged war crimes committed by Australian SAS soldiers in Afghanistan. And these crimes have been an open secret for a really long time in military circles. Um, and it, even to the point that uh, foreign troops in Afghanistan like hated uh cooperating with australian soldiers because they had this reputation for brutality and violence and just being fucking sick cunts basically so this report alleges based on a huge body of evidence that sas troops executed and tortured 39 afghan prisoners and civilians um there were like some isolated cases of troops like cutting the throats of teenage boys and throwing their bodies in rivers like just brutal shit um and that's become a really polarizing story in australia like largely between the left and the right because the left are saying like you know this is repulsive uh we need to hold these men accountable and this is a reflection of australia's like flawed foreign policy because we shouldn't have been in these conflicts in the first place etc etc and the right is largely saying like these um these troops are bad apples that shouldn't taint our country's perception of the military and uh, by insinuating that the military as a whole is bad, we're like disrespecting the service of troops. Um, oh, so, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not disrespecting the troops. God. Um, yeah, yeah you, can, been you so can imagine honest. where I stand on this. Um, oh, where the so, fuck do we get these exported narratives from, eh? Like, Anzac was oh, so long ago. What, it's fucking what, what do you dude. think you're fighting over there? You know? Yeah, Sorry, exactly. I just, yeah. This shit fucks me off. Because if there's one thing I truly believe in, it's like non-interventionism. Just stay the fuck out of the country's business. You know? Yeah, anyway, absolutely. Anyway. Um, <laughs> no, we'll Sorry. go on Sorry. a whole fucking scale here, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, we actually have a fair few Christian listeners, I think, by the looks of it. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so they must they must not mind some some curse words though they can see that we're doing the service of god so it's fine um this we're spreading the spreading the gospel god, so. here yeah <laughs> so uh in the wake of this report being leaked and then this trade war yesterday i'm going to quickly check the official title and name of this guy um so the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs Deputy Director General Zhao Lijian yesterday essentially just shit posted a meme on Twitter that was this Australian soldier and so this was like a photoshopped image so like it looked real but is doctored um, this Australian SAS soldier soldier 
um, kneeling with an Australian flag like tied around the head of a child holding a lamb and the, the SAS soldier is about to cut the throat of the kid. Um, Can you send so that? Like, yeah, oh, definitely. Um, it's like all over fucking Twitter. It's amazing. So yeah. this guy is basically just like, oh, I'll try and find the... Uh, so he his, um, his tweet said, shocked by murder of Afghan civilians and prisoners by Australian soldiers, we str- strongly condemn such acts and call for holding them accountable. And the caption mm. on this image also says, don't be afraid, we are coming to bring you peace. Jesus. Um, what a and, fucking legend. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, like, his, his tweet makes perfect sense. Like, he's just saying, like, war crime sucks. These need, people need to be held accountable. But the image is not real. Um, and it fucking whipped ScoMo and the Liberal government into a frenzy, man. They're so fucking salty. ScoMo put together, like, a DIY <laughs> home press conference that looks like it was shot yeah. on a fucking iPhone 6. And he's just like clearly like rattled, can't fucking talk coherently, and looks like a scared little bitch, like strongly condemning uh, what China's done and essentially just like trying to puff his chest and escalate this feud. Um, And he's obviously demanded for the Chinese government to apologize and he um, hit up Twitter and were like, you need to take it down. And Twitter refused to take it down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So. And now, overnight, there's been some more social media action from a Chinese foreign ministry spokeswoman, Hua Chunying, who said, the Australian side is reacting so strongly to my colleague's tweet. Does this mean they think this cruel killing of Afghan lives is justified? Afghan lives matter. Good reference to the BLM movement. Shouldn't the Australian soldiers feel ashamed? Yeah. And it's now the... The headlines in the Australian are like so almost like militaristic. Um, let me read you a couple of the headlines. China ties at 50 year low over repugnant tweet. Um, evil Australia. <laughs> Beijing escalates war of words. How should Australia deal with an aggressive China? Commentary. Beijing weakened as world frowns. And there are like uh, images here of like Chinese military parades. They've got the fucking patriotism propaganda machine churning at full force at the Australian bro. And I haven't seen the rest of the Murdoch media today, but it'll be the same thing. It'll be fucking Chinese troops marching in line on the front page of the Courier Mail. Like ballistic missiles. It's fucked. Fuck this. It's really interesting. Lit. Holy yeah. shit. That is so fucking fascinating. Dude, ScoMo beating his chest is so sad. Do you ever like He's so fucking pathetic, bro? Oh, like yeah, he man. is the saddest piece of shit that has fucking been in Australian politics, I swear. Yeah. Whenever I think of, like, him puffing his chest out, it's kind of like, um, I I don't know if this is my own memory or if it's something that I've seen or maybe a dream that I've had. Uh, It's just kind of in my mind. Uh, Just a sexy um, ScoMo dream. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, it's like, you know know when you you see those, like, real nerdy kids and they get, like, bullied and beat down and whatever, and then they're like, you know, you better not keep doing that or or I'll get mad. And then everybody laughs. Yeah, yeah. They they can't fucking do anything. That is exactly what's going on here. Um, Uh Uh-huh. There are some people that can stand up to China. You know, like when Trump was doing it, it was like ballsy. And it just felt like, oh, shit. Like, you know, like, because he's so fucking loose. You don't know what the, what he's going to do. Whereas Skomar, it's like, bitch, please, you, you ain't doing shit. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, 
it it doesn't take Brian, much to I just... don't know what to do. <laughs> it doesn't take much to just think back two years and look at Malcolm Turnbull and what like a stately, normal fucking prime minister he was. Um, like he would have responded to this in so such a more capable way. Like he's a he's a smart, eloquent, well-spoken, like maneuvering person. Um, yeah. But ScoMo is just a fucking blundering idiot. And I think that's why um, why the LNP like having him there because I think he's easy to manipulate and control and will be ousted so easily if they decide to axe him because mm. um, he's just oh, absolutely fucking hey he has no balls he's spineless yeah um, he's bl- made the the biggest diplomatic blunder in fucking the 21st century for Australian politics oh totally so interesting thing here is that the chinese are starting to master the art of shitposting um which is like very unironically becoming a tool of power uh and you know a a way to really kind of like inflame the masses and expose uh it like insanity on one side you know yeah 100 percent. like the the power of memes is uh a legitimate tool of diplomacy um and sort Mm. of international relations now um absolutely it's been proven time and time again you know like um yeah there there's nothing in fact probably more influential than uh a meme that you could rate amongst the best mm. oh totally when when um you know like first thing that comes to mind was like when there was that massive campaign on twitter to uh try and say that the like the okay symbol um is like a signal for white power um, yeah to basically one inflame the right to being like look at how crazy liberals are and two just fucking whip a bunch of like idiots on twitter into a frenzy which then for some reason is now spilling over into our realities um you know it's just that's fucking fascinating and terrifying um it really is starting to do that so yeah but but by all means the fact that like calling out what happened even though i'm like 100 percent sure they're just using it for their own agenda oh yeah of course because that is fucking disgusting i actually had heard that um Mm -hmm. i think i saw something that said there was like i can't remember what it said it was it basically touched on the fact that the atrocity was getting looked into or something maybe this was like yeah um so it's confirmed though um well they they still need to face court um they haven't been charged or prosecuted but i mean the report is very damning it it seems like it's undeniable and like i said it was an open secret like yeah u.s troops on the ground in afghanistan knew what was happening uh everybody was implicit um mm. there were Whoa. attempts in the australian like army's leadership to cover it up and try and hush people and all this kind of bullshit as well it's it's so clear what's happened it's not surprising is it like it, no, it's one of those things where i'm like yeah that fits that fits the fucking narrative you know um and you know they <laughs> what the fuck are they doing there in the first fucking place as well you know and uh-huh. <sighs> yeah another little hiccup occurred if, i mean fuck i shouldn't say another little hiccup this is not a little hiccup i take that back yeah. that's completely um <laughs> misworded but another incident occurred um i think last year when Australian troops were carrying out a training exercise with Indonesian soldiers in the Northern Territory, because obviously like Australia is trying to cooperate with Southeast Asian countries more in terms of defense to counteract the uh, influence of China. And Indonesia is arguably Australia's most important relationship. Well, no, that's, that's incorrect actually. The United States clearly is, but you know, Indonesia and China are probably 
close seconds and thirds. Um, and Australian troops in the middle of the night just painted these like racist, abusive slurs on the side of the Indonesians' tents. Fucking and, morons, man. Uh, it's fucking disgusting, dude. And it just goes to show like the the low caliber of people that you have in the Australian military. Like they're just scum. Mm, yeah. No, that sounds. I mean, that's horrendous. Yeah. I mean, like like in all circumstances. There are probably, you know, 90% of them are great people who are just trying to make some cash and are probably under the impression that they're doing something virtuous. Uh, and in yeah. some cases, they probably even are. But some of these people, man, are absolutely horrendous. Oh, dude, it's just like, you know, I've... Whenever you're around army guys, like, that whole... There's, there's so much fucking testosterone and just like aggression mm -hmm. and stuff as you would expect and like let's not pretend that that's a field that attracts the passive and you know <laughs> sort of well, like, the, the introverted yeah yeah or people are like yeah mm, i think um, other cultures are you know should should be left alone should to kill themselves <laughs> like yeah like it's do it you, does attract a certain kind of person do you remember um that for a brief period I was working as a kitchen hand at the army barracks outside of Christchurch. Fucking no. What? Really? Um, it, yeah, yeah. In like 2010, I think. Um, I I forget the name of the base now. You'd probably Burnham. know. Burnham, yeah. At Burnham yeah. Army Base or whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, I, I got a job working in the mess hall, dude. Um, it was horrible. And I was working like in a kitchen alongside like army chefs. So they have like the kitchen hands and the servers were civilians, but the chefs um, and like the supply coordinators or whatever were military. Um, so I would have like smoko with just like units of army chefs and just hear them talking about just like assaulting people and beating the shit out of people on the weekend. There was this pub called The Bog, which is like the local, <laughs> like the closest big pub to the army base. And like a lot of these guys around. lived on base because yeah, yeah, I know. Um, yeah. A lot of these guys lived on base cause like their rent was subsidized or whatever. Um, so they would, their weekend outing would just be like going to the bog and just like hurting people. Um, cause they were yeah. just so itching to like commit violence. Like it's fucking mental bro. Yeah, <laughs> and man, the way no. that they like treated each other and treated the civilians there was, was horrible too. It was unreal. Yeah, I've I met a couple guys from the army who, you know, I got along with really well and I thought they were really interesting people, but I've met some real fucking pieces of shit from the fucking military as well. Eh? Like Yeah. Um and you just think those guys throwing it up or whatever over in Afghanistan, um, you could imagine some horrific shit going down. Definitely. Oh, absolutely, you know? man. It's not even a question. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's horrible. That is truly fucking disgusting. Um, especially like it's so rank when you go over to fucking Indonesia and you see the Australians over there and the way that they treat them like just like shit, man. S second you know? class people. Like oh, they like subhumans. Yeah, man. Yeah, like multiple clubs that I went to, I would see Australian guys just like you know, pushing the fucking woman around and like puffing the chests out. And they're all the fucking losers as well, man. Like, like the real fucking genetic awful of Australia going over to try and like, you know, like taking out their own, um, sexual inadequacy, uh, and inability to sort of function within their own country out on like Indonesia. And it's disgusting. Honestly, the expats yeah. there like are horrendous. 
And, and yeah. you know, like, Bali's a fucking shit show as well of, like, you know, racist attitudes towards the own locals. Yeah, it's... The whole the whole dynamic is is so unusual. Um, mm. The latent racism amongst the Australian population I find really interesting. Um, and, like, maybe I'm even implicit. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure. <laughs> but How come? What did it, you do? <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, maybe because I am a part of Australian society, like, I'm probably not, like, completely detached from it, if you know what I'm saying. Um, oh, okay, right. <laughs> There's nothing specific uh, in that. Um, oh, no, no, no. I just yeah. mean, like, you know, it's not like I'm uh, on an island of virtue and i'm like completely separate from the rest of the population like i don't know oh yeah yeah like i obviously don't consider myself a a racist person but i'm just saying like if there's something wrong with society at large like i guess everyone is partly to blame um so 100 percent. you know like another little another little tale which has just emerged which is somewhat relevant to something we talked about in i think uh, the pod episode we released two or three weeks ago um, is that this um, Australian academic um, called Kylie Moore Gilbert was recently released from Iranian prisons. She had been in custody on espionage charges for two years in Iran, and apparently she was just over there on like an academic placement. Um, and now that she's been released, it has been revealed that she was Julian Assange's cousin. Oh, whoa. Yeah, man. So um, there were certain parties to the scenario who were aware, such as diplomats. Um, This uh, former British Foreign Office diplomat, Craig Murray, uh, tweeted, I was asked to keep confidential that Kylie Moore Gilbert was Julian's cousin in case it complicated her release. Now that she is free, it is a good moment to say what a remarkably brilliant family they are, and I trust it is a good omen for Julian. But you have to wonder... Um, what hand? What hand were different parties playing here? Right? Do we know what Julian Assange is? Because um, I know that he was just kind of disappeared from was, the headlines. I thought he was uh, still like in jail in Britain. I think right. he's in the middle of being extradited. Yeah. Uh, Man, sad. It's it's crazy how I've had this conversation with other people in the past. So like I don't want to like rehash it fully, but I find it mental that. Julian Assange has been taken by the machine, dude. He's like in the fucking belly of the beast and like he needs a miracle to escape. And he <laughs> is the perfect example of what the fucking machine does to you, bro. Like oh, yeah. it shows no mercy. It's fucking relentless. Like if you call if you stir the pot enough and if you create like genuine dissent and really threaten power, like it ends you. Like you look at photos of him, bro. He's like fucking broken. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They totally MK altered him. Like yeah, like what he's been through is a victim of the mind control program. You know, like yeah, his mind is just confusing fractals of like uh, hateful shapes now. Probably you know, alienated and annoying (laughs) him. Like I just fucking it's a nightmare. I I hope that Snowden holds up um, in the wake of all of you know. Well, I mean, he seems fine based off the last podcast that he did, but you know, still. Nightmareville. Assange fascinates me a lot. Um, I feel as though at this level of like high intrigue and like there's this international community of I'd say maybe 100 to 200 people. I'm just guessing. I'm speculating here of people who are like diplomats, 
very significant media people um, and like intelligence operatives who must live in a dark sort of like whirlpool of deception and the pursuit of information. And I think Assange is, has been to the heart of it and like we don't even know what he's probably been through or seen. Oh, without a doubt. And not only that, he's, you know, giving a service to the public and like trying to absolutely inform. So that's a very good segue for something I was keen to chat to you about in terms Let's of dark it. knowledge and, and like the evil um, sort of uh, figures, you know, aware of things. But do you, okay, so you're well aware of like the opiate crisis in the States. Um, yes. and how Purdue Pharmaceuticals was pushing Oxycontin. Um, and now they've basically been fined something like $8 billion or, or some shit. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah. So the New York Times broke this story uh, within the last three days that McKinsey and Company, uh, which is meant to be like the best of the best um, management consultants in the world, had uh, been advising Oxycontin um, to turbocharge their sales and absolve themselves of guilt. And there's 160 pages that was just released between McKinsey and Purdue Pharmaceuticals on how to basically like push Oxy into the fucking hands of, you know, everyone <laughs> as well as like do damage Fuck. control. So this was around the time that they became aware of just how like lethal this was, um, which is why what McKinsey did is just even more sort of mind-blowingly fucking evil um, here. Mm -hmm. So basically, in 2017, um, according to these records, McKinsey had laid out a presentation on how to boost sales for OxyContin um, and had given the suggestion that they should give a rebate to every distributor of OxyContin um, and uh, a rebate for every OxyContin overdose attributable to the pills they sold. So basically, if a pharmacy a pharmacy sells you Oxy and you die, that uh, Purdue should rebate the pharmacy um, per air quotes in their terms the event. Oh my god! And and darker so than that, the rebate in a, in a sense, per overdose. Okay, go on. Let me just repeat this to myself so I can wrap my head around it. So in a, in a sense, they were essentially encouraging pharmacies to kill people in a way. In a way, it was basically like, like, the, like the, sell the, as the much more, as you can. And if someone yeah, the, ODs... So the more oxy got sold, the more likely it is that somebody dies and then the pharmacy makes money off it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Well, more so that they're covering their ass, right? Because if someone dies because of Oxy, then that can lead to, like, legal problems. Yeah. Obviously. And um, they were saying rebate whoever, like, the family or whatever when they died. So Purdue could have covered its ass by rebating the um, the pharmacies, um, who would then assume the yeah. rebate the, uh, the family. So the rebate, dude, was $14,810 per event. So it's like... You know, mom or dad's on Oxy, they accidentally OD, um, you like go to fucking sue whoever and you get paid out $14,810. Meanwhile, Purdue is just fucking raking in Printing money. Printing cash. 
Yeah, because of their heavily like marketed campaign on Oxy, where they're just pushing it into every fucking pharmacy possible. Um, so McKinsey became aware of the fact that like uh, what they had suggested is potentially going to like come back around and bite them in the ass. Um, so they had done this like destruction of records and documents and everything. Um, wow. And tried to like cover the fucking fact that they had been offering this advice essentially to a push oxy as hard as they can because it's a great product and it can boost sales um as well as like well because there might be some downsides uh you will want to you know protect yourself against the the death of people taking oxy so yeah so that story broke three days ago and no legal action has been taken against mckinsey yet um you know they like yeah yeah they've essentially tried to cover it but apparently it was like their most high profile consultants that were fucking pushing this as a concept and an idea as well um fuck me just yeah absolutely fucking mind-blowing eh? and this is like you know they, they were well aware of what was happening you know and and like mm. essentially they're trying to push purdue to give even more kickbacks to doctors and even more fucking incentive to like give people oxycontin Wow. Yeah, I I wonder, obviously there's a lot of blame to be assigned here and there's plenty to share around. Um, But I I wonder to what extent uh, GPs and doctors need to be blamed for this as well, because obviously um, there's a corporate policy and a, a focused campaign to sell as much of this like often fatal drug as possible. So like, yeah, they're fucked, like they're horrible people. But without the, uh, what's the word, without the inclusion or collusion rather of doctors, the plan can't work. Um, and it mm. makes me wonder like, well, clearly like the, the problem was understood very quickly, right? So like doctors knew pretty much in real time that often they were prescribing drugs that people were gonna OD on and that the country was in the middle of an opiate crisis. So why are they doing this? It's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> well, they got kickbacks, right? So I, uh, Yeah, so they- I, I know, but I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, I understand that they would get, you know, uh, remuneration for prescribing particular drugs, but it can't be that much money. It's like what you were talking about in the last pod, like the prize that these people were chasing is so fucking low. That's like, exactly what I was going to bring around to. <laughs> people are willing to throw away their ethics and their how much they can respect themselves for so little money well so i've just been in dunedin and i was chatting to a um person down there that was telling me about how you know someone they knew in the states uh went to a doctor and was like basically had like a fucking you know real minor injury like you know he pulled back or some shit like that and was given oxy um and just just like off the bat and a fucking multiple refill prescription of it as well and that just happens man that's just something that they they fucking give out so it ended up ha- uh coming to light that that particular doctor that was giving the scripts out was also taking illegal kickbacks from purdue um but yeah you're you're right it's not not a huge amount of money you're probably talking about like five figure sums you know maybe something like that mm. like 10 that 10 grand here 10 grand there um, i mean across certainly the not year, enough that you like yeah, so they're like legit pushers now, though. Um, and it just goes to show that 
it's like hugely dark what people will do to make small sums at the like massive expense of others you know like whether you're talking about a uh you know million dollar bribe um to fucking sell out your entire town to some company or whether you're talking a five-figure sum to give someone oxycontin it's like well they might od but they might not um or you look back in the day when it was like you fucking you know nine out of ten doctors smoke laramie cigarettes you know what i mean like it's just these motherfuckers are so evil and this is <laughs> i to this day am like highly suspicious of a lot of uh you know educated professionals because I, I feel like their track record is horrendous um you know mm. it, you, you really are on your own in a lot of senses because you can't trust and i want to see every single time my doctor prescribes me something or suggests that i do something if they're getting paid out of that and if i can't see that information then i'm like you're guilty until i can prove otherwise you know what i mean because it's just yeah that's a really good point and that should be completely yeah. publicly um accessible and transparent Oh, dude, the amount of times I've been to the doctor um, and, like, have been prescribed something fucking... Like, when I was in Indonesia, it was very overt. I went to the doctor and I had a sore throat. And they were like, oh, you know, it's not a sore throat, sorry. I was brutally sick. I had the flu and I had, like, fever and all sorts of other shit. And they were like, oh, it's because you smoke. And I was like, no, like, you know, smoking doesn't do that. Um, and then they prescribed me like six different drugs like pseudoephedrine uh which is absolutely not for fucking yeah you know, that's flus. fucking mental um they prescribed me anti-anxiety meds they prescribed me uh anti-nausea pills and like a bunch of other stuff so it was like okay you're obviously getting kickbacks um my doctor bill was like five bucks and my fucking pharmacy bill was like 60 bucks you know so yeah yeah i wonder where they're making the money here it's a lot murkier <laughs> though right like and i've been to doctors multiple times here and been prescribed tons of shit that i don't fucking need like it, like i feel like every other time i've been it's been like oh have you thought about going on ssris and i'm like no you know like like maybe once upon a time but um that's not the answer to every fucking issue that i have um not that i'm anti-ssri i'm definitely not but mm. uh antidepressants for anyone who's in the wear um but i feel like just this weird push towards particular things all the time you know there's another one just just to finish this tangent <laughs> just to yeah um, just to send it home <laughs> well like i have asthma right and mm -hmm. there's two kinds of inhaler that have the exact same chemical in it and my doctor was pushing me to get one called ventolin which has the the active ingredient is serbutamol and i went to the pharmacy and they're like oh do you want ventolin or do you want respigen i was like well, i don't fucking care like i want what works and they're like well they're the same <laughs> thing it's just one's um marketed and costs more ventolin and the other one isn't because it's a generic um, yeah yeah and by generic it's like basically it's made without you know the brand name and stuff and i was like, well why the, why would i choose ventolin they're like well that's what your doctor prescribed and i thought you motherfucker i see you you motherfucker i see you making money hmm. I, so, I actually um i find that chemists in australia or pharmacists whatever whatever you call them tend to be really good at offering the generic drug upfront mm. um, as well, which I appreciate. In fact, I don't even recall a time when I haven't been offered the generic. Um, and I wonder if that's something that chemists have to do by law or if most of them just choose to try and undermine the, um, the marketed drugs because they know that there's just a profit incentive there. Yeah, it's, it would be interesting to see how it works because I think it's a lot murkier in New Zealand where I'm pretty sure there is 
um, some there has to be some kind of kickback because I, I don't fucking understand why I'm getting pushed towards some drugs and not others. Um, yeah. And I know that we do have pharmaceutical salespeople here in this country. So, you know, go figure. I don't think it's the same way in the States where you probably get paid a hell of a lot more to push particular drugs. But um, yeah, who fucking knows, man? The, the fact of the matter is, I don't want my doctor making money off prescribing me shit. I want them to make money purely by seeing and treating me. And if they do a good job, like, you know, I, if, if I could pay them a bonus, sweet. But I don't even want to do that. Um, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's actually kind of odd, come to, think, come to think of it, that doctors aren't paid based on performance or track record. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose that their merits would allow them to get into higher paying jobs, but more broadly it's like you don't actually know if your doctor is good or has killed people or whatever like mm. if you're going to see a gp he might have had the worst six months of his life he might have like uh gotten divorced and then his son died in a car crash and then he like hit the bottle and went through like a two-month binge getting drunk for, like five times a week or whatever yep. and like he's in like a completely depleted shitty state of mind and physically and like you don't have access to that information, but he's making decisions about your health and your body, mm. um, which is, I don't know what the workaround for that would be. I guess it would have to be some sort of intrusive, massive public database. But um, yeah, it's just an interesting thought. Well, frankly, like, why isn't there? Why, to be honest, it's like, there kind of should be a little bit more oversight there. Um, you know, doctors don't have this all-seeing, all-knowing fucking grasp of the human condition that's opaque to the rest of us. Like, you know, we did survive you did quite a long time without them. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, not to say, like, there's absolute virtue in medicine, but for fuck's sake, I mean, most of us can diagnose a cut or a, a case of the sniffles or, like, know when something's wrong. And I don't, mm. you know, just a doc to, to go in and sort of get like, you know, placated and, and be like, oh, you know, take these, you know, shut up, go away. Uh, which is a lot of the case, you know, and you hear that story pretty endlessly um, is shit. And, and like, how many times is that doctor doing that? Like if a doctor is like a massive pill pusher, I want to know who they are. One, so I can avoid them. And one, two, so I can go to them for you know if, if I yeah, yeah if needs be <laughs> yeah if i'm sick i wouldn't want to go to them i want to go to someone who's going to like thoroughly try and work through what's actually wrong with me and not just kind of be like you know oh here's antibiotics and fucking everything else under the sun and you know five different kinds of uh of you know blood clotting medication and anti-blood mm. clotting medication to counteract your blood clotting medication and all that sort of bullshit but yeah. I uh, spoke to a guy recently who is a doctor, uh, a GP, and he was telling me one of his patients brought him in um, like a sample of the medicinal weed that he gets prescribed mm. um, because it's like finally starting to become more of a thing in Australia now. Um, and it was pretty funny. Like he said to me like, oh man, like this shit was the, the nicest buds that I've ever seen in my life. I don't smoke myself because it puts me to sleep, but my friend normally smokes top flight stuff and, and um, this put that to shame or <laughs> something like that. But it was crazy um, hearing how much they charge for that shit, man. It, I, he subsidized. said it was like, what's that? It's not subsidized? No, not at all. Yeah. Um, it's $400 for a quarter ounce, man. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. 
Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking ripoff. Well, but you are smoking like elite grade, like industrial strength shit that would just like send you to the fucking moon, like with one cone or whatever. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's worth it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, sick. I mean, they have the whole scheme here. I have yet to hear about anyone getting prescribed. I think they only really do it for like terminally ill patients because there's still yeah. that disconnect of doctors loving to prescribe drugs here, but very specific ones and nothing that they consider to be like you know voodoo witch doctor shit is that mm-hmm. racist is yeah that's not racist no i don't think so um no but, uh, <laughs> it's it's very nice of you to to check though that's both of us have like questioned our uh, racist tendencies during this episode so how, how woke are we that's really nice of us yeah um should we pat ourselves on the back yeah, I'm going to give myself a, a little... There we go. Hand there. Pat on yeah. the back. So, I can't remember what I was going to say about legal weed now. Um, yeah, right. Um, I know, like, I think it's mostly prescribed in Australia for, like, extreme pain, cancer patients, and people who suffer from, like, intense anxiety. Mm. Um, that's so, kind of weird that they do it for the anxiety. I feel like... Well, I, I don't know. Like, personally, that's, like, not something I would want to take if I was, like, spinning out on a fucking anxiety attack um unless i wanted to yeah. double down on that fucking anxiety and see where <laughs> just, really just embrace the chaos um <laughs> yeah. full julian assange well dude that kind of cures it for me i think uh in, in a weird way the way that i got over my like long-standing anxiety disorder slash issue slash whatever the fuck slash <laughs> yeah, thing yeah i'm not gonna fucking yeah whatever um was kind of just like feeling it and being and and turning it around on its head and sort of being like yeah let's fucking go you know (laughs) and since then uh i found like aggression to be like the the ultimate emotion and you know like uh steer of that particular emotion can you explain that Uh, okay so (laughs) (laughs) so i found so like 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 way earlier uh, when I was around like 17 or 18, um, I'd have like horrible fucking anxiety. Like I wouldn't want to leave the house and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I, and I, I was like in therapy and blah, blah, blah. And, and like, I found also through therapy that, you know, there's kind of like a productive way to deal with anxiety is to try and, um, rev yourself up because your whole body's getting like filled with adrenaline. Right. And you're catastrophizing yeah, right. yeah. a thousand thoughts a second. Uh, yep. but you also, can kind of trick yourself into getting like angry or excited, which are sort of similar emotions. This is like flood of, um, you know, adrenaline and, mm, and it's just um, like an, an alternative fight or flight response sort of. Yeah. Yeah. You're like gearing up, mm. you're like getting ready to go. So yeah. that was a really productive way to fucking deal with it. And now since then, like, you know, as long as I can go for a run or like fucking go work out or, you know, kind of like fuel it into a particular thing. Um, it's it works really well so i've often thought that like if i was having an anxiety attack if i kind of like double down on it I'm like yeah come on motherfucker like strap yourself to the bomb you know let's put the cowboy hat on and bomb yeah, that shit fucking snort a line of adderall and off you go <laughs> just double <laughs> drink down your coffee it. and jump in the car yeah, um, yeah 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 throw on some thrash metal and see where it goes um yeah. that actually has been like a a huge benefit uh, you know, try that out during your next. Um, That's really interesting. Panic attack. D- 
dear listener. Yeah, no, I, uh, <laughs> tell us, tell us about it. Uh, you know, there's like a variety of different techniques as well that I've, that I've used. That's just one particular one that works. So, yeah. But regarding weed for anxiety, I'm, I'm fairly certain that it just completely depends on whatever strain you're smoking. Right. And like, mm. if you're, if you're being prescribed stuff, like it's probably going to help, um, because you're not getting like just random like hydro off the street um that's just kind of like make you super paranoid yeah um, skunky 420 69 strain from fucking yeah yeah dodgy corner uh, dodgy corner ak-47 bro yeah like real fucking good eh? i hate that <laughs> shit man i hate getting stuff and like rolling the dice on whether i'm gonna have a like a borderline psychotic episode or not it's just gonna do fucking nothing it's like the most obnoxious like fucking game ever you know um the last weed i bought i got like some uh kelly kush and some uh no wait fuck i can't even remember what these were now um uh, yeah i think it was actually uh kelly kush and ak-47 or some shit i got like some of each and um, it's really good stuff, but I just hate that it has a name. Like, why does that bother me so much? Because it's just like the commoditization of like something yeah, that's just true. fundamentally like we. But I, I also know that there's big differences. It's like the difference yeah, between drinking a fucking four percenter and a fucking seven point six like uh, brew of craft, you know, which <laughs> fucking that's a whole nother level as well, man. Like. The other day, I went out to catch up with a friend, and I had four pints of this like craft brew, um, and I don't know what it was, but it was it was like strong as fuck, and it's I sort of yeah. did the, the whole thing where you kind of like jittery before a fucking social meetup, and you're like, oh, just yeah, yeah, the strongest pint that you have, um, and I was fucked up the fucking next day, dude. I couldn't fucking move. I was so dude. High percentage beer is really interesting yeah it, it i well i find it interesting it feels weird like yeah like um compared i mean obviously you're drinking a lot of it so you're getting pretty drunk but mm. i think it's a different kind of drunk to like wine or something like or something of a similar percentage um but mm. i like that shit so well, when i was in belgium yeah. with a couple of friends we were walking around like in the afternoon just on this like nice sunny day it's like 2 p.m or something and we just like stopped in a random bar and um it was obviously just like a whole bunch of like local belgian and dutch beer and shit so we didn't know what to pick and um we're like hey man can you just like give us a recommendation and he's like oh well like do you like weed and we're like yeah he's like oh well like this beer feels like getting high and we're like oh okay well that's fucking ridiculous but like yeah give it to us and it was nuts man not only did it taste beautiful it didn't taste like marijuana in any way um but you got like the the, the intoxication you got from that beer felt like a marijuana high which was really? like soup yeah super fascinating and like i i swear with like very like botanic um sort of like bespoke craft beer i think there are like different sorts of drunkenness mm. i don't know but i'm well, just i think there is it's because like the chemical construction of that stuff is actually fucking like a lot more complex than just like uh ethanol and you know sugar water um yeah because hops i think are distantly related to the cannabis family uh so much to ah, right but they do have a psychoactive effect so there's like the hoppiness 
And you would imagine that the way that it's made, there's probably like different forms of ethanol or, or you know, like some sort of spin-off compounds of some kind that are like interacting yeah. there and producing some kind and of I'm, effect. You know, I mean, maybe even uh, like certain forms of fermentation can create different effects in the body. Yeah, uh, I, why not? Yeah, I, I feel as though. Um, so I'm trying to load the wiki for hops and cannabinoids but it's yeah. not opening for whatever reason. Um, so we'll never know. That, uh, cocaine and alcohol apparently produce a substance in your liver called cocoethanol, which is like a longer <laughs> um, form of cocaine that sort of like lasts and gives you that big uh, confidence right. boost to so really be the like... real you. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from Right, so that's why like drinking and drinking while you're on coke makes so much sense. Yeah, well, it's just like, you know, the the best of both worlds. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like alertedness and confidence um, to really nail the next job interview or uh, ask that girl out on a date. Bring that back, eh? When, when are they going to start pushing that? Sh it's funny how they've sort of gone from back in like the 1890s when you could buy heroin, just kind of like OTC, um, you know, or laudanum, like opium and hashish and alcohol. Yeah, and, yeah. And you think that nowadays, like the synthetic opioids and shit are so much more fucking lethal than just good old fashioned oh, like, absolutely. street drugs. Terrific. Like, I think opium to me seems like a perfectly reasonable drug to have deregulated i mean have decriminalized and possibly regulated but mm. um so hops and cannabinoids research has shown that humulus lupulus dumb name the plant that makes hops and cannabis sativa also called hemp and marijuana are closely related and is and it is possible to create novel strains of hops that express valuable chemicals similar to commercial hemp like uh cali seeds demonstrated both hops and cannabis contain terpenes and terpenoids tetrahydrocannabinol oh thc is a terpenoid hops lack the enzyme that could convert cannabigerolic acid into thc or cbd but it could be inserted using genetic engineering as was reported in 2019 for yeast mm. um so i guess yeah that bear would have been somehow <laughs> close well, to marijuana whatever the fuck else it had that was the worst hangover i pretty much had in my life like um i was without I, i'd eaten all this mcdonald's and just i woke up in the fucking my room just stunk of like hangover and like half digested food um and just every movement was making me like almost a vomit man so yeah there must have been something it, yeah oh it was horrible the only thing i could do was like i couldn't eat till like six o'clock in the fucking evening you know so whatever was in that mm. shit man was like death to my fucking system i i just felt like i was dying the whole day i could only watch um this stupid shit this have you heard of primitive technology no it's not stupid it's i mean as a concept dumb. yeah it's <laughs> yeah it's this dude who like fucking makes like huts on uh youtube out of clay and just sort of no oh sound. gangster yeah you oh actually is he like uh this like little like indonesian guy who does it in the jungle no, he's a little Brisbane guy who does it like in the northern oh, really? Queensland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's like quite right. famous up there, man. Because um, there's um, there's another YouTube channel where like this like indigenous Indonesian guy just makes shit in the jungle as well, and it's fucking dope. I like found myself watching him build this like just wicked structure for like a thirty-five minute long time lapse <laughs> of him like over three days. Like it's incredible what they can do, though, man. Like they were living yeah. lush. 
um, back in the day. <laughs> Whoa, it's malaria just like, and rape. We don't have that much more now, dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's one of the things yeah. that I was thinking of is, you know, you watch something like that and you just kind of end up thinking like, uh, you know, all, all this technology for what? For, mm. for like, you know, the, the fucking dude's house that he built in primitive technology had like underfloor heating. Whereas, you know, I don't have underfloor heating. Where's that? Where is that? I don't know. That's a good question. It's not um, yeah. You need it in Christchurch mm. or everybody could benefit from it. Um, that raises an interesting point um, that I listened to uh, on the Luke Friedman podcast yesterday where uh, him and uh, Eric Weinstein were talking about uh, the way all of the low-hanging fruit in sort of like technology and development have been picked already. Um, and that's sort of might be the cause of our current kind of, um, I don't want I don't know if economic stagnation is the right word, but developmental stagnation, I suppose, as like a society has kind of come about. And it's because we've, we've picked all the low hanging fruit in terms of like these technologies that we have in our day to day lives. Um, and now we're reaching for these harder to reach fruits that are still probably in the wrong tree. Like we need to be finding a different tree to be start picking low hanging fruit from, which might be like, uh, political or social or to do with how we interact with each other to actually like pair with the advancement that we already have and to actually start making our lives better. Mm. I find that really interesting. I think that's something where, um, yeah, I, I still think there's like micro fortunes to be made on, um, you know, air quote bullshit hanging fruits yeah like yeah. a fucking airbnb specifically built for brisbane or like a fucking you know so, something like that like there's definitely like inefficiencies you can like capital excuse me capitalize on but um yeah also i've wondered that I've, I've consistently thought about what the next big thing is uh or you know I, I feel like the overturning of institutional power is really what's gonna be kind of like the next thing personally that i could think of like you know the breakdown of education into a system that works for more people rather than yeah. the fucking horrendous system that we have now um which mm. frankly works for nothing other than making you know compliant automatons um that you get you have to suffer through uh every christmas celebration with and um the legal structures and legal institutions as well have had this long sort of block on uh and and even government to a degree like on on how we govern our lives this is kind of like all harking back to this what i hope to be like the big breakthrough for the next period would be kind of like a legal one in the sense that people can have societies that they join that govern themselves that would hugely enable progress and leaps forward but aside from that who knows man we're on the cusp of things that could be amazing but it also could be all like scientific hoo-ha and like you know jibber jabber like maybe mm. genetic engineering could bring about this whole new Gattaca, you know, where we're all just um, creating designer children and, and like solving horrendous diseases or whatever. But it also might do absolutely fucking nothing. Um, yeah, I think two uh, breakthroughs that uh, we're almost on the cusp of. I mean, you could argue one we've already we've already experienced, but CRISPR, obviously, like you mentioned, like gene editing has the capacity to completely revolutionize like uh, well-being and, and health within mm. maybe even 20 years, I mean, from what I understand. Um, and the second one that I've seen popping up more recently is 
the uh, acceptance of psychedelics in, in medicine and psychology. Um, and it would be great to see that becoming much more prominent in terms of the, just the zeitgeist. Because if, if more people can start to try and, uh, I, I guess, open their mind to psychedelic experiences and try and understand their mind or themselves or the motivations of other people it sounds so corny but like mm. we really could undergo some sort of like a collective spiritual revolution and i think that's what we need to have before we try and restructure society from like a legal or economic perspective because i think we're all so hurt right now that if we yeah. try and undertake that sort of project i think we're in inevitably going to fall into the same sort of traps just under a different name mm. Yeah, pretty much. It'll be interesting to see if that's the real Great Reset. Uh, you know, it's just sort of like widespread <laughs> psychedelic re uh, use. I've heard um, now that Vancouver just decriminalized all drugs, um, which is fucking awesome to see. Uh, obviously, Portland did that. And now I think California's, um, or maybe it was Colorado, someone's allowing like uh, medicinal mushroom use. Uh, yeah, I think that stuff. was Colorado. Yeah. Incredible. Mm. What a fascinating time to be alive you know just like so great dude can you fucking but that was not even a possibility back in the day i mean it's still a class here like if i get caught with them i'm basically getting caught with heroin um, it's fucking nuts isn't it oh it's just conservative old fucking new zealand oh, but, yeah ridiculous uh, but, yeah man i i kind of hope that stuff's gonna happen because one you know personal freedoms and all that and like it's no one's fucking business what i decide to do if i if i want to realm meth i should be allowed to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I, I know that's not an opinion that's going to fucking change the hearts and minds of people towards psychedelic use. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's no one's fucking business. But two, you're right. I think that could like dramatically transform. Not not to mention like, you know, the, a pharmaceutical company capitalizing on that would do very well. And they wouldn't have to deal with the um, large scale death of uh, fucking Purdue, you know. Sorry, I just got uh, got distracted. I, a message fucking popped up on my phone and I could no, no, no. completely... Uh, I did yeah. hear what you said, though, but I just realized that I didn't respond. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're at an hour 30. Um, shall we wrap it up? Sure. Yep. That's something right. to think about. What is going to be the next big fucking thing? Reach hmm. out to Maybe our Instagram and let us know. Our... <laughs> yes. Our listeners can tell us what they think is going to be the next big thing. Um, and please don't send us more videos of Hillary Clinton apparently dying because that's... <laughs> uh, we don't really want to see more conspiracy fodder. Um, we're quite yeah. happy to talk about things grounded in reality. Well, hold, hold on. Within reason. Like, if you have some With, fucking... Yeah, within reason. <laughs> if you have some deep fake of uh like scomo or or something like absolutely fire that through 100 percent um yeah. but yeah now as hillary clinton is don't... alive uh she looks not so healthy at the moment she looks like shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah straight up though she does she's like oh man oh fuck man people have health conditions she's old as fuck but like she's had a rough couple of years man yeah, well, she's, she's been starved of votes and attention. So, you know, and that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. A parasitic organism. Yeah, her body is, um, yeah. yeah. not failing. having access to what it needs most. <laughs> it's like Obama's kind of reaching this weird period of just becoming weirder. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem like the 
the man he was in 2008. Oh, well, he's just been doing this huge press run because of his book. I think that's the only reason he's been so, like, vocal recently. Yeah. That whole thing about um, him using Foucault to try and sleep with chicks is probably the funniest. Yeah, thing. that's so good. I love like, how self-aware and cool of him to re- include that. Like, yeah. I, I dig that. Like, um, at least he can fucking laugh at himself. That's great. Um, yeah. Hey, no one's going to knock the guy for being charismatic. Um, just knock him for the uh, death of children and um, murder of innocence. Exactly. Um, can, can hoop as well. Good basketball player. So, oh right okay yeah sorry i thought that was a person you're referring to yeah yeah no, 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 no. no yeah absolutely yeah no his he uh he throws shots like uh trump hits um fucking swings in golf i don't know i don't know what you call it <laughs> so it swings Man at the yeah top we'll, of the we'll, game. <laughs> we'll call it that yeah um so today is the first of december this will probably come out on the second or third of december um but we can now announce that uh we have patreon so if you want to holler at your boys you can jump on patreon we'll include a link in the description for the episode um send a little bit of coin our way for bonus episodes monthly uh that would be appreciated and uh we'll make them extra juicy for you Mm. so uh Fuck, we need to we need to quit. This outro has been like five minutes long. <laughs> um, so right. hit us up on Instagram at Modern Guilt Pod. Email us. You probably already know what it is. Tweet at us guilt underscore modern or uh, at dos to the dos. And that is check us. out. Thank Aiden's you for listening. Fire on fucking Twitter. It's hilarious. I saw a few of those. Indeed. I was like, yeah, boy, get up. In what there. was that? Uh, I think you're like calling out Biden for being like a male feminist or some shit. It's fucking funny as fuck. Um, Thank you. Yeah, anyway. I did. <laughs> Peace out, all of you. Yes. All right. Bye bye. We'll catch you next week. Take otherwise. care.